Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. And today we're going to be talking about marriage as I am joined by Judith Kaluzny. Judith spent 43 years as a lawyer in mediating divorces, and she learned that people don't really understand the financial consequences of marriage, so she decided to write a handbook on marriage. So we're going to be talking to her about that. So if you are planning on getting married or you're married and this is going to be an episode that you might want to check out. So Judith, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, I'm pleased to be here. Thank you. It's it's important information people need to know. Absolutely. Um, but before I, we jump into it, why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself? Oh, well, I am uh, an old person. I uh, have seven children and eight grandchildren. My mother is an immigrant from Yugoslavia, and she never finished even seventh grade. Yet three of my kids have PhDs. So I think that's an amazing story. Um, I was born in Illinois, grew up most of my life in Wisconsin, and then moved to California at my then-husband's behest in 1964. And I've been here ever since. So... uh, uh, oh, and then then I went through divorce myself in 1973, and at that time I had no college degree and no full-time work experience. And I said to a friend of mine who was mother of some of the kids in the carpool, she was a lawyer, I said, you know, Anita, what am I going to do? And she says, you can go to law school. So I did. But I tell you, at that time, it was a lot less expensive than it is now. And anyway, so I immediately started, after law school, started getting calls from uh, women who wanted a woman lawyer. Oh, and my first office, that was what had so much good karma, Curtis. There was a woman, that lawyer, who my daughter had consulted for some discrimination in high school. And she called me up after the notices came out that I had passed the bar. And she said, I see that you passed the bar. I'm willing to share my office with you. And four days a week for half the rent. She worked the other the four days with her father's law office in Los Angeles. And I'm in Orange County. In any case, so uh, four days a week and half the rent at that time was $75 a month. So that was certainly an easy start. In any case, after I had been doing divorces, or as California calls it, dissolution of marriage, which some people pronounce disillusion. Um, A friend of mine had taken mediation training. She was a sociologist. And, uh, but, but you can't make a living as a sociologist as such, unless you teach. So she asked me to be her attorney consultant in her mediation sessions. And I soon grew to really like the process. And then I started sitting in the whole sessions. And then I started taking mediation 
training. And not long after that, I gave up going to court. I, I devoted myself exclusively to doing divorces through the mediation process. And so, uh, in any case, some years ago, I was reading Michael Pollan's book, The Omnivore's Dilemma, which is a story of four different meals, starting with fast foods and ending with a 100% natural meal. So for that last one, he collected yeast from the air in San Francisco. He collected plants for a salad from Golden Gate Park. And he got a hunting license to shoot a boar for the entree, a wild pig. And he reported that he had to take a 14-hour class and pass a 100-question test to get a hunting license. And I thought, hmm, well, to get a driver's license, you have to study a little book and pass a 20-question test and have an eye test and a road test to get a marriage license. What? Where were your mother and father born and give me $56? So that's how I decided to write the marriage license handbook, which includes a test at the end. 40 uh, multiple choice questions and 10 true-false. And Tell us us about what people don't understand about marriage and what you have noticed why you decided to write the book, basically, in your experience over the years. Yes, well, the main thing seems to be a lack of understanding of community property. There are 12 states in this country that are community property states. And uh, in California, um, marriage does not wipe out your separate property. Many people assume that the minute they get married, that everything they own, it becomes community property. That's just not true. And um, somehow those ideas get, get passed along through the media. For example, there was one movie with uh, George Clooney and uh, uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones, where he was uh, a notorious womanizer, and she determined to catch him, and she did. And after they got married, she says, now everything you own is half mine. Not true, but... Uh, so that's, that's one of the things. The other thing that people, I think, fail to realize is that the marriage contract, at least in California, uh, results in a fiduciary relationship. Fiduciary means you deal with the other person with highest good faith and fair dealing. Your bank is a fiduciary for your money. Um, so there are the state of California takes that obligation very seriously. And uh, there are you know, many a divorce, one spouse has to pay back the other for a breach of that fiduciary relationship. The most notorious case that I knew of was a woman used, she was going through a divorce, but she used community property money to buy a lottery ticket. And she won the lottery, but she didn't tell husband. And he found out about it. And he took her to court. And as punishment for this breach of fiduciary obligation, the court not only gave husband the proceeds of the, uh, of the winnings, he gave all of it to husband. And that's how severe the punishment can be if you do not pay attention. 
to your obligations. In mediation, I had clients where um, husband, wife discovered, well, actually their 12-year-old daughter discovered online that daddy dearest was having an affair and it had been going on for five years. Well, wife was incensed. She had been pinching pennies and watching her budget and not knowing how much money the husband was making. And she was outraged at the amount he spent on the other woman. Well, in mediation, this man was, uh, was a, a, a high official in a municipal government. And he did not want his dirty laundry dragged through the courts of public. So he readily agreed in mediation. Mediation is totally confidential. Everything said in mediation is confidential. I and no other mediator can be subpoenaed to court to testify to anything. In any case, so husband set about assembling all his records and he produced five years of records for all the money he spent on the other woman. It was a binder about two inches thick and he agreed the total amounted to $40,000. And he agreed to reimburse the community. He owed the money to the community, which means he owed half to himself and half to wife. So upon the divorce and they sold the house, from his share of the house, he took $20,000 and paid it to wife to satisfy his fiduciary obligation. Well, what if, what if somebody changes their mind about something, you know, during marriage? And can you write your own contract up? Yes, you absolutely can. I've done that, too. I, we call it a post-nup. You do a prenup or a post-nup. And there are, like, one occasion was that, um, that wife, well, husband was very uncomfortable with wife's spending habits. He still loved her. She loved him. They didn't want to get a divorce, but he wanted some sense of confidence in having control over the money. So we worked out an agreement where we separated their finances. And, uh, and then we filed that agreement with the county recorder. If you file something with your county recorder, that is official notice to any creditor. So any creditors were now on notice that any debt that wife incurred was her separate debt. And no person could go after the community property, nor the husband, no creditor could come after the husband's money, nor the community money. Another, oh, no, no, that was a prenup. One prenup was interesting, and that was a young couple, a mediated prenup, where a young couple was going to be living with wife's parents. Wife was already, or wife-to-be, was already living with her parents, and she was paying the mortgage as rent. Now, they agreed, the husband-to-be and the wife-to-be, that, that he agreed he did not want to get an interest in um, her parents' property. And if they had not had an agreement, her earnings would have been paid on the mortgage were then her earnings were community property without a written agreement. And that community property paying for the parents' mortgage would have given the community, namely husband and wife, an interest in that property. So to avoid that, we did an agreement where we separated their finances and made it clear that 
monies that she paid from her earnings as rent would not give any person an interest in the property, except the parents, of course. Uh, post now. Yeah, there was another woman that I had done a regular divorce for years before. She had established a business 11 years before, and it was a thriving business. And she told me that at the time, she had wanted her business to be her separate property and to remain her separate property. And she had consulted a lawyer, and the lawyer said, oh, no, it will be community property. And that was not true. She and husband could have written an agreement and kept her business as her separate property. So it's, that's a very important principle that people should know. Well, is domestic violence grounds for getting a divorce? No, it is not. No, it's grounds for getting restraining orders, uh, but and it's grounds for excluding the violent person from the home, but it's not grounds for divorce. In the state of California, there's all, well, there's very limited grounds for divorce. One is, or the main one, is irreconcilable differences. And uh, that's just, you know, we don't get along. And it, there's no questions asked by the court what those irreconcilable differences are. And the other is uh, divorce it would be uh, what we used to call insanity. Uh, and I think they call it now inability to make rational decisions, something like that. Uh, that's, so, uh, what's, what's the difference between annulment and nullity? Hopefully I got those terms right. Yes, annulment, annulment and nullity, yes. They are related. And if you want to file for any three, well, actually, even, even splitting up a, a partnership, it's the same form in California. You just check a different box. A, a nullity is a declaration by the court that no marriage ever existed. And that's because it was based on, on incest or coercion or insanity. I mean, one of the parties was not able to give valid consent at all. That's the essence of getting married. Uh, it's it's uh, consent, and it has to be free consent. So uh, if there's no consent, there's no marriage. And that's when a court would declare adulity. An annulment is based on fraud. And that's when uh, a person getting married didn't know something significant about their spouse. It was concealed. And if, let's say, if you had known this fact, you would not have married that person. And um, it's not easy to prove that in courts. And uh, one of the things <clears throat> concealed would be involving uh, having children. Say a person gets married and before marriage, they've talked about having children, but one of them has had has been sterilized, a tubal ligation or vasectomy, and they don't tell the other person. That's grounds for an annulment. I think also getting married as, say, a foreigner comes to this country and they get married solely for the purpose of attaining citizenship. That's a fraud, and that's grounds for annulment. And uh, those are the two main things I can think of offhand. 
Okay, well, tell us how we can pick up your book. Do you have any websites, any upcoming projects that you're working on that people need to know about? Well, I uh, I, I marketed the book two weeks ago at the Anaheim Convention Center at a bridal exposition. And so I've signed up for two more expos, one in Pasadena, July 17th, and then, no, no, Burbank, July 17th. And then in Pasadena, August 8th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do have a website and it is marriagelicensetest.com. And I also have old websites. I have my old mediation websites, which is just judithkalusny.com. And there's a lot of information on that still. It's posted still, but with a caution in red letters that I am no longer a practicing lawyer and this is not legal advice. It's posted for information only because, you know, for the years, the 20 years I did mediation, I wrote a lot of articles that can be found on that website. But that's more about divorce. And this one is about getting married. Well, how is mediation different in marriage versus divorce? Well, it's, you know, mediation for marriage, for for doing, let's say, for doing a premarital agreement. Mediation works the same as mediation for getting a divorce. In other words, you, uh, the couple will sit down with a trained mediator. Now, people should realize that there are no rules or licenses for being a mediator in the state of California. So anybody going to mediation wants to be sure their mediator has had training. In any case, the mediator provides information and and helps you learn to listen to each other. And and the mediator will help to focus on one issue at a time, you know, so you're not just wandering all over the place. And uh, and then uh, the mediator will help clarify issues by asking each of you questions, help you understand each other. And and, uh, one of the interesting things in the process of mediation is that one person can make a proposal to the other and then the other responds with a counter proposal and so you come to an agreement by an exchange of various proposals that's kind of an interesting way to proceed uh, and so the mediator then will will uh, help you turn your final proposal into a decision for the future now uh, a mediator then can write up your premarital agreement and then you both sign it. And, and I would suggest you record it with the county recorder. And in a divorce, a mediator can write up your final agreement, but um, preparing the paperwork that needs to be filed with the court, a judgment needs to be filed with the court. The, the divorce agreement, the property settlement, does not need to be filed with the court. And in fact, the best practice is do not file the settlement agreement with the court. And the reason is that a good settlement agreement will be very detailed. It will tell each and every bank account and pension and and define who will be the owner of that account or pension or what becomes of each item of property. That's public information. I mean, filing in court, the court records are public information. 
So you don't want that information in a public record that anybody could walk in and look at and, and get your information. So a uh, paralegal or train or a lawyer who is a mediator will uh, convert the essential portions of your settlement agreement into a judgment. And the essence of a divorce is that a judge has to sign a paper that says you're single again. If you have a written agreement, I mean, a written judgment, the best practice to avoid either party having to go to court is that the judgment will be noted, the signature of both husband and wife will be on that judgment and each of their signatures are notarized. If that's done, everything can be done by mail. You do not need to go to court. If you have a written agreement signed by both husband and wife, a judge has nothing to say about what's in that judgment. A judge is obligated to sign that judgment. So, okay. now if, if, if you have an agreement, but only one person signs it, say the petitioner, in California, the person who files the divorce is called petitioner. The other person is called the respondent. This, this was a change in the 1970s for family law. Was family law was then be, became a separate part of the court system. Before that, it was just a civil action where one party was a plaintiff and the other a defendant. Well, the governor's family law commission said they wanted to make it a non-adversary process. Unfortunately, as one client pointed out to me, there's a summons that goes with the petition. And under, <clears throat> right under the respondent's name, to the respondent, you know, and then the name is typed in, there's a black box under there that says, you have been sued, which seems hardly non-adversarial to me. But in any case, the respondent does not need to file uh, a written response. Uh, if, if the respondent does not file an answer or the written response, then the petitioner proceeds by a default action. And in a default, then that person will need to go to court to testify basically that during the course of the marriage, certain differences have arisen between us. Those differences have caused a complete breakdown of the marital relationship. And that's the essence of the testimony you need for a judge to grant a divorce. So ladies and gentlemen, it sounds like the moral of this story is if you're going to get married, first of all, make sure you love each other and you plan on being together to death, do your part and make sure you understand all the rules and regulations in your state. Judith, I'd like to thank you for coming on and spreading your expertise and hopefully this will make people do their research before they tie the knot. Can I say one last thing? Sure, go ahead. My book contains a lot of a list of things to think about in deciding to get married and secondly, the personal relationship and secondly, a list of things you might want to think about to include in a written agreement. So, Absolutely. So go pick up that book. Please be sure to follow, rate, review, share this episode to people 
who might be thinking about getting married or, or even married people. Share it to everybody. And Android listeners, go to the Google Play Store and download the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast app. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream.